I cut my finger making some homemade pasta, hand-cut noodles. Not because I'm trying to be fancy, but because I don't have any of the equipment necessary to make professionally cut noodles. And it's a minor cut. Not as bad as some people get when they're working with knives. And I sprayed some bleach on it. I figured that would be the best way to make sure no infection incurred. Though it burns. It burns very much. Welcome to One Topic, where we stick to one topic. My name is Greg Russ. Autumn Fisher is not here today. She is not feeling well, under the weather, as some people like to state, although she is texting me now. Right now, I've got one of those bubbles with the three dots in it. Oh, there it is. Referencing the hand-cut noodles I was talking about previously. Apparently, they're thick hand-cut noodles because she wanted to see a picture, so I sent a picture and it says, when they're thicker, they're chewy. All right, that's fine. I enjoy chewy foods. Unless it's so chewy that it pulls out a filling. Then, in, in which case, it's too chewy. Now and laters, I think, do that. You have to be careful. Any kind of candy that you eat that induces an anxiety is not a candy that I enjoy eating. How can you really get into the flavor and the texture when the whole time you're thinking it's going to rip out this filling and the next thing you know, I'm going to have to go to the emergency dentist or I'm going to have to live a few days with a fucked up tooth and that's going to create some anxiety. Anytime that you ever get a small chip in your tooth, just a very small chip, minor I'm talking, it changes the whole mouthfeel. Your tongue knows everything is thrown off. So something major, like a filling coming out, not something I really want to live with. Anyway, what is, what is the topic of this episode? I think the topic's going to be, it's just Greg. Because that will allow me to, it's cheating in essence is what it is. It allows me to go wherever the hell I want to go for this episode. Which I don't know how long it's going to be. Because quite honestly, doing a show by yourself is difficult. It's a hard thing to do, but it's a very strange thing to do. Some people are cut out for it, but I feel as though if you're one of these people who is really cut out for it, you have to have an ego of sorts. And that's not to say that I don't have an ego. I do have an ego, but my ego works in extremes. One side of my ego thinks I'm better than every other human being on the planet, and the other side says, you're a piece of shit. Everyone on the planet is better than you. So the two sides clash, and quite often the piece of shit side wins out. So in doing something like a radio show, a podcast, by myself, it's difficult to tap into the side that you need to tap into, which is, fuck yeah, I'm the kind of person who has something to say for 30 minutes, 45 minutes, an hour, a four-hour show every single day, which that, that blows my mind. To have the audacity to think that you are someone who has got a point of view and an opinion that is so different and so interesting that you go in every single day and you spout it if you get a radio show where it's just you. But quite often those kind of hosts do take phone calls, which helps fill the gaps. 
I prefer having conversations, though. And I think something like one topic where we're talking about a single topic, it's nice to bounce the ideas about that topic off of each other. So it's it. You know, I could sit here. I could talk about homemade pasta if you'd like. Would you want to get into that? Okay, fine. You take two cups of flour. It can be all-purpose flour. Some people will argue that, but all-purpose seems to be fine. And you pour it out on the counter, and you, you make a pile, and then you put a little nest in the middle, and you dump some eggs in there, three eggs to be exact, and a tablespoon, or is it a teaspoon? See, this is not a cooking show. Don't take me for my word exactly. You put some olive oil in there and some salt, and then you mix it together, and then you say, oh, shit, this isn't really coming together the way it's supposed to be coming together. It seems way too dry. And it's just turning into little pellets that are reminiscent of rabbit pellets. They're poop, yes. Well, what am I to do? Oh, I'll add some more water. Oh, shit, now it's too wet. What should I do? Oh, I'll add a little flour. And you just keep going back and forth until you find a consistency that works for you. Then you roll it in a ball. You throw it into a bowl or you wrap it in plastic wrap. You let it sit for 30 minutes. And then you cut it into four pieces, you roll those pieces out, and if you have a KitchenAid mixer or an actual pasta maker, you run it through that, and you get delicious, perfectly shaped pasta. If not, you get a knife and you cut it, and you cut your finger in the process, and then you know that a little piece of your skin is somewhere mixed in with the pasta, so be it. I will eat it. Anything that's boiled will kill anything bad along. I mean, people eat their skin all the time, though. I know that sounds like a reach, but people do. They sit there and they bite their fingernails and pieces of the cuticle come off. Or if, if a part of their skin is flaking, people have face dandruff quite often. Don't even know. They're breathing in their skin. It's falling on their tongue. So this, the skin itself is probably harmless. The counter, here's what I'm concerned about. That bleach that I said I sprayed on my finger after I cut it, I also, in between the 30, before I put the dough in the bowl for the 30 minutes, I, well, after that, I put the, the dough in the bowl for the 30 minutes, and before I put it back on the counter, I cleaned the counter with bleach, and then I didn't rinse the counter off. I let the bleach dry, and I thought, it evaporates, right? Surely it evaporates. I don't know if it evaporates. I think parts of it evaporate, but it leaves sodium behind. And then there's some other agent they put in the bleach that keeps it from evaporating too quickly because bleach needs to sit on a surface for 10 minutes in order for it to actually kill the bacteria that you want it to kill. It's not an instantaneous thing. A lot of people think with bleach, oh, spray, done. Oh, great, wonderful. Now this is the perfect, clean, sterile surface. I'm going to lick it. That's not that. No, you need the 10 minutes. You put the 10 minutes in there. That's what you have to do. So we'll see, because then I put the dough back on to the counter that had the bleach that wasn't wiped off. Maybe I won't be here tomorrow. Maybe by the time you listen to this, I will be gone. But that could be said for many reasons. Sometimes I'm standing there waiting for the subway and I think, what if I just jumped in front of it? It would be over. Like that. That was a snap. Like that. So quick. And then I back up against the wall to make sure that some impulse doesn't take over and I don't launch myself 
into the front of an oncoming train, even if it's going five miles per hour. The thing's got so much weight behind it. It's a force that your body cannot compete with in any meaningful way. It would just run you over. They would the, the, the way it hits you would shock your body to the point where I think, even at five miles per hour, it could kill you. So, again, you're listening to this tomorrow. Who knows? Who actually knows? I'll be alive for the most part. I say that, meaning I will be alive. That is, I would bet that I will be alive tomorrow by the time this releases, but I say for the most part because it fluctuates. How much are you really alive in any given day? Sometimes you're very alive. Other times, like most of today, I sit on the couch and it's a slouch to the point where my shoulders are on the butt part of the couch and the only part that is up against the back where your the back of the couch where your back should be is my head. So I would say that's not really very much alive. It's only partly alive, kind of alive. Not a bad thing. There's some people who feel awful. This was this was a thing when I was on the dating apps that was interesting to me. And I call bullshit on it for the most part. Though there are people like this, but they've got problems, they've got issues. I've constantly got to be busy. If I'm not busy, I'm not feeling good about myself. If you're not a person who's constantly busy, swipe left. I want nothing to do with you. Just because someone doesn't want to do something constantly doesn't mean that they're a lazy person. This is the misconception. So it's a problem. Yes, there are some people who just can't stop. My dad is one of these people. He can't sit still. He can't. Take the time. He'll watch movies sometimes, but I swear it's partial movies. He can't sit there and watch a a full movie. I've never known him to sit on a couch or a chair for any extended period of time. It drives him crazy. He's always got to be doing something. And I feel as though he thinks that he's a lazy person if he takes a 30-minute break. And that's a sickness. You can say, oh, wow, it's not really causing any problems. Maybe it's not. That's a, that's a separate discussion. It is. There are other people in these kind of people's lives who don't get to spend as much time with a person as they would like because the person's always got to be doing something. But outside of that, yes, it's a healthier way. It's a healthier compulsion to manage whatever anxiety you're feeling. It's better than drugs for the most part, I would say. It's better than cutting. So... Yeah, constantly being busy, productive, building things, cleaning things, painting things, raking things. Wonderful. Good for you, but it's still a sickness. You're avoiding something. You can't sit there. You don't want to be there with yourself. I, on the other hand, spent a long time feeling guilty over sitting around doing nothing because my dad was always doing something. And so I see this and I think, oh, well, I don't really want to constantly doing anything So I must be a terrible, awful human being. The few times he would say, go cut the lawn, son. Actually, he never said that. My dad never called me son. Do dads call their sons son? I see it on TV and in movies. Very good, son. Let's go out and play some catch, son. We're going to go fishing today. Wow, look at that trout that you got, son. I don't know if it happens in real life. But anyway, going back to the, the, the mowing of the lawn. 
There was a few times that he had me do it. He hated it. He couldn't stand the way I did it. He said, this is, this is trash. Not directly like that. I think he let me down a little easily. But he said, this, what is this, son? I'm, gonna, I'm taking over the lawn mowing duties again. And I said, fine by me. No problem at all. Though I did become a guy who would cut other people's lawns in the neighborhood, especially the old couples. It's a lot of work. I'd even have a self-propelled lawnmower. That was, that was the thing. It was my dad's lawnmower. He refused to get the self-propelled. I, why? What are you trying to prove at that point? You don't get the self-propelled. That's for lazy people. He never said this, but I feel as though that was the reason he chose the one that you have to push with all your power. Self-propelled is a beautiful thing. You ever cut a lawn with a self? It's like riding one of these e-bicycles. They've got the, the city bikes here in New York City. Most of them are normal, but some of them are the e-pedal assist. And you jump on one of those, and it's got the electrical charge, the battery, and it propels you. What a wonderful ride. You can actually enjoy your bike riding instead of sweating and suffering and thinking, oh God, is this over? Please let it be over. I want this to be over. My oven just made a noise. There's some meatballs cooking in there also. I'm baking some meatballs, which will then go into the sauce. Anyway, with the lawnmower, I would uh, do diagonal cuts. What a, you know, this was, this was my signature in cutting the lawns. Diagonal cuts. Most people go east-west, north-south. No. You start in the middle of the lawn, you do one diagonal strip, and then you radiate out from that either way. And then once you're done going, say, to the right of the diagonal strip, you go back to the middle, and then you go left. And people drive by and they say, sharp, sharp-looking sun. I mean, lawn, son. Sharp-looking lawn. Very good job, son. That's what I meant to say. See, I'm not cut out for doing the show alone. It leads to mistakes like that. Screwing up, scrambling up some words. Uh, uh, which I'll get back to that and berate myself soon enough. I would like to say that with that uh, lawn mowing money, I bought myself a go-kart. Man, I loved that thing. I bought some slick tires for it because it had the off-road tires. I painted it. I got it in real good shape. I fucked with the governor so it would go a little faster. And then the spoiled kid in the neighborhood got a two-seater. His parents just bought it for him. It was much faster than mine. And, you know, there's supposedly some lesson. Hey, but you did this yourself. You earned that, and you put work into it. Nah, you know, I would have rather have had the two-seater, the faster one. I would have really enjoyed that. That thing would fly, that would fly through the neighborhood. I couldn't keep up. I'd have to take shortcuts, cut through lawns, but then I couldn't do it because I had the slick tires. I didn't have the grip needed because I got rid of the off-road tires. Really fucked myself over. Take some pride. You knew, you know that you put in the work. You power wash driveways. That was another thing that I would buy. do. Power wash the driveways. Very satisfying, by the way. If you've ever power washed anything, it is very satisfying. All the, the filth and the grime that washes off of driveways or siding. It's like revealing uh, history. Little time capsule of sort. Though, so this is what it looked like when this driveway was first poured. This is amazing. I really liked that. 
But anyway, the other kid in his go-kart. And see, now I don't want to berate myself because I moved past it. But going back to when I slipped up and said sun instead of lawn, these are the kind of things that after I'm done with this recording, I'm going to lie in bed tonight and think, you suck, you son of a bitch. You're the absolute worst. How could you make such a mistake? And then I have the power to edit it out, but I'm not going to edit it out. Because I like this to be authentic and raw and real. It means something to me. So you take the crap that comes along with it. There was a time when I first moved to New York that I did a shift at Maxim Radio on Sirius. I'm going to be interrupted here at some point because this meatball timer is going to go off. I apologize for that. I'm going to be in the middle of this story. But I moved to New York. And I wanted to get out of radio. That was my goal because I was working in radio in Atlanta at 99X and I was fired for, well, I was taken off the air. I had a contract, so I wasn't fired. I was taken off the air for being too creative. These were the exact words that came out. I'm not lying to protect my ego. The, the ego that I told you earlier is either, yeah, fuck, I'm better than you, you suck ass, or my God, I am a piece of garbage. That ego. I was told... Just being too creative. We want someone to introduce the music. Shattered my dreams because I thought that we, I thought you would want someone who's doing something creative and therefore getting good content out to the listeners and setting themselves apart. And that would get you ratings and that's going to make you happy because the advertisers will be happy and they'll give you more money and you'll leave me alone to pursue my creative endeavor, my identity. It gets too wrapped up, especially when you're young. This is my identity. And so when someone says you're being too creative, they don't just say, hey, we're getting rid of you. We're making a change. They say, we hate you. The identity is crushed. So I moved to New York. Well, not right away. I still had that contract. So they still had to pay me. And they put me in a web job where I was supposed to, the AV room, it was called, audiovisual room. And I was supposed to create some kind of original content, which really isn't a terrible job, but when you're, it's a demotion, no matter what job it is, when you're taken off the air and put into something else. If you're hired straight into that job, what a great job. There's still room for creativity, probably more creativity than I was getting on the air because I was competing with fucking Nirvana and Pearl Jam and STP and shit people have heard, heard a million times before, but I didn't care. So I was just collecting a paycheck, daring them to fire me by showing up for two, three hours a day. And planning my escape, I come to New York. I wanted to get out of radio, but I realized, okay, this is what I can do. I don't have a job. Reached out. Right, here's this, this timer. All right, give me a second. I'm going to keep rolling. I'm going to keep the headphones on and see if they stretch all the way over here. Yeah, there's 47 seconds left. Let's just clear the whole thing. Turn it off. Turn it off. I don't know how to turn off the timer. It's the first time I've used the timer. Okay, I think it's all done. I'm not really sure how much of that you could hear, but we'll just leave it. What was I saying? Oh, yeah, the, the radio. So I, I applied for Maxim Radio. Well, I didn't apply for Maxim Radio because I liked Maxim. I was just looking at the job listings on Sirius, and there was a producer job, and I applied but sent my air check. And the program director wrote back and said, hey, this air check's good. You should be on there, not producing. And I said, okay. And he said, come in. We've got a shift for you. We're going to put you on a shift, a two-hour shift. It's going to be yours. It's going to be wonderful. And I thought, oh, fuck. 
I don't want a two-hour show. I've never done talk radio before. I don't know how to do talk radio. I mean, like I said, I'm doing this right now and it's going seemingly well, but I'm going to run out of steam here and I'm just going to call it quits because I can do that because it's a podcast. This thing was slated two hours. There are some commercial breaks, but not many because it's serious and that was what they prided themselves on. No commercials. And that was more so for the music and then the talk stations. When you're doing a talk show, you need a break anyway. But I thought I prepared wonderfully for two hours. I've got this down. Sharper Image is shutting down. People love Sharper Image. I can make fun of the products they have there. How about that wedge that you bring on the plane and you put on the trade table and you put your head on it? It's insane. How do you even carry that thing around? It doesn't fold. It doesn't fit in a backpack. It's a real pain in the ass where do you store it on the plane during takeoff? But my God, once you're flying and you can put your head on that, you can rest your little head and close your tiny eyes and have a wonderful sleep. It's worth it. This is the idea that all the massagers and the, the trout that went on the wall that sang, it's like, I'm going to have a heyday with this. It's going to be a field day. I ran out of material within the first 45 minutes. There were other news stories at the time. I can't remember what they were. 45 minutes, done. I, I, I had zero clue what to do. The board op refused to come on the air with me. That guy just shook his head. No, 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 no. So, come on. Most people, I feel as though most people would jump at the opportunity to get on the air. That's what they get into radio for, not to run a board. This guy wanted nothing to do with it. Unless he just hated the fact that I was put on to do that shift. Maybe he wanted that shift and he loved watching me fail. I wouldn't put it past him. I don't put it past humanity. Maybe not him specifically because I don't know who the fuck he is. I couldn't tell you his name. I don't know what he looks like. I didn't know anything about him going in. But humanity in general, I know I would if I wanted to do the air shift and I put together some air checks and I sucked and the, the program director listened and said, no, no, no. We can't ever put you on because you're just not good. But I was naive and in denial and thought, I, I should be on the air. Damn you. I should be on the air. And then they bring in some chump to do the shift I wanted to do. And then he was floundering. I would love it too. He's like, please save me. Nope. I'm not throwing you the life raft. You suffer. You suffer now and you drown. And I'm going to sit here and I'm going to watch and I'm going to laugh and I'm going to take real joy out of it. Because you're doing the thing that I want to do. Even though I'm not good enough to do the thing. And it's not your fault. And you don't know who I am. And you're just trying to find your way also. But I'm going to take real, real joy in this. There was a guitar in the studio. I remember that. I have zero clue how to play a guitar. But I picked it up and strummed it and sang some song about God knows what. I begged people to call in. It really got pathetic. It really, it was, it was pathetic. Uh, I know that Tim Rhodes, if anyone ever listened to 96 Rock in Atlanta in the late 90s, mid to late 90s and early 2000s, Tim Rhodes was doing the night shift. At some point he did the afternoon shift and I liked him. I got along with Tim when I started interning at 96 Rock and I told him I was going to be on and he was going to support me and he listened and he was texting me all night, and then he just disappeared. He didn't. There was not another word from him. So I said, oh, yeah, that must have been really, really pathetic. So I went home that night, and I was in bed. I was like, you b 
bastard. You move to New York. You think that you have what it takes. You fucking suck. You suck. And the next morning I wake up and there's an email from the program director and I refuse to open the thing. I can't read. I can't bear to read whatever he has to say. So I just don't open the email. I ignore it. And months go by. This was February of 2008. We get to May of 2008. I finally probably down a couple 40 ounce Coors Light uh, bottles from the bodega that cost a dollar seventy five, and I have the courage to read the email. And the email says, "Not that that wasn't bad. That was pretty good. You've never done such a thing before, and there's room for improvement. But uh, let's definitely start working on that improvement." And I wrote the guy back and said, "Oh my God, I don't know how I missed this email. Never heard from him again. So that was the end of that." And that was the last time I've actually tried to do a show by myself this long. I know there was a few episodes back when Autumn and I weren't speaking and I would jump on and give cryptic updates about what was going on. But I think the longest one there was 15 minutes. And I hate to, I hate to admit this. I'm not proud of this, but I did stop that one and I would pick up and did some minor edits to it. It was an emotional time. And this one I have just gone straight through. Here I am. You're getting it. And I'm talking. And I think it's going fine. It's all right. Again, who do I think I am? What are you getting out of this by listening to it? I have no clue. If you're still listening, thank you. I appreciate that. I do. I mean, that comes off maybe sounding sarcastic, but I do appreciate it. And then I question you. Why? Why, why would you continue to listen? What am I offering? I'm talking about myself mostly. And it seems very self-indulgent and self-centered. And I like to think that I'm a person who doesn't partake in such things, even though it does feel good. It's like, yeah, of course I want to talk about myself. If someone finds me interesting, I, I'm not going to feel bad about that. And I'm going to like that. And then there's the side that pops in and says, you like that? You're no better than the rest. So it's a constant battle that's going on. But I do appreciate you sticking this out with me as we move through this autumnless episode of one topic where the topic is Greg's alone. Greg rambles. These meatballs, I baked them and then I'm going to throw them into the, the sauce to finish the job. A low simmer with the sauce. We should keep them moist. Ugh, I hate that word, moist. We'll get over it. It's not a bad word. Moist isn't that disgusting. Moist, I don't, I think about this more. This really angers me. Moist is a very good word. It relays exactly what you want out of, well, certain things when it comes to cake or a, some Maybe you don't want your meat to be moist, but you don't want it to be dry. So therefore, moist is telling you it's not dry with a cake. And the moist is the top of the line. This is the moistest cake. Now it sounds like a strange word. Moist. Moist. I guess you don't want a moist basement, but it tells you, oh God, that basement's moist and mold's going to grow and bugs are going to thrive. But it grosses me out. Why? Because it makes you think of a woman's genitals. That's, that's where this comes. Uh, 
we'll get stop thinking about that. You grow up. Stop being a child. <laughs> giggle, giggle. He said, nice. He said, hard. You can't stand. You have to pick and choose your words very carefully these days. Because if you say something, I was I was writing something and I said stiff. I used the word stiff in a totally different context than you're thinking right now. No, not about a dick. And I, I, I deleted it because I knew that the people who were going to read it would only think about a stiff dick. This is how pathetic we are. As these thinking creatures that are supposed to be smarter than the other animals on the face of this planet. You say the word stiff and people giggle. So I had to, re- I had to modify this, this whole message that I was sending. Because I couldn't use the word that was best suited for the message that I was trying to send. But the meatballs, I'm hoping these are going to be good. I hope the whole meal is going to be good. It's the first time after moving into this apartment, which was June 15th, that I'm creating a home-cooked meal. It's a very long time. There was a lot of Taco Bell eaten over that time. I hadn't had Taco Bell probably for... Three years prior to moving into this apartment, and total in my life, I would say 10 times. And since being here, Taco Bell has been consumed 15 to 20 times. And I like it. What can I say? And I tell myself that it's healthier than the other ones because I get potatoes and not the ground beef. I pretend. Never mind all the saturated fat that's included elsewhere. Well, I guess it's a light sour cream. So that's nice, a low-fat sour cream. But the salt, the sodium intake, the carbs, it just it's easy to play games when you want. And when that heart attack comes, you say, eh. I'm so surprised. How did this happen? I have no clue. Couldn't have been the Taco Bell that I was eating several times a week, sometimes for multiple meals in a day. But those potatoes, those potato, spicy potato tacos... You can't, you can't beat them. They're, they're delish. Anyway, I think that's it. I think that's what I've got. I hit the 30-minute mark. I feel good about that. Because, again, it's very strange to do a show by yourself. I'm just sitting here. Who am I talking to? I'm talking to you. I hope at least that's the way it sounds, that I'm talking to you and not at you, because I'm not talking with you. There's a fine line there that we have to balance. When is that? Look at this. I'm getting work things now, too. Regular work things. I don't stop writing me. It's a Sunday night. I don't care if there's a big project or not. It'll be boundaries. If you're not a hard worker, you're trash. It seems to be the sentiment. Not a hard worker, you're trash. How about be a hard worker the times you should be working and when it's no longer time to work, you lounge with your lower back off the edge of the couch and your upper back where your butt should go on the couch and your head propped up. And then your dad walks by and says, I'm going out. I'm going to wallpaper a room, and then tomorrow I'm going to rip that wallpaper down and paint that room. Then I'm going to sand the floor. You want to join? No. Okay. That was his response. Okay. 
It was never any kind of beratement, nothing to make me feel bad, but I did feel bad. Look at me now, Dad. Look at me now, doing my very own podcast, blabbering away by myself for 30-odd minutes. Well, if you come back next week, Autumn will be here. Hopefully I haven't scared you away for good. I appreciate your time. Again, I mean that. I do. Comes off in a manner where maybe it sounds disingenuous, but I I do appreciate everyone who listens. And hopefully you take something and you think, here's really what I want out of this. If, If it can make you forget about anything shitty going on in your life for even a few seconds, I feel as though the podcast served its job. I did a good job. And I will be happy with that. And on that note, I'm going to end this. That way I can actually get some sleep tonight instead of staring at the ceiling and thinking about how I'm worthless and maybe I should jump in front of that train. There's some kind of hot sauce I know that we push. The Hoff and Pepper hot sauce. This is Michelle Autumn's best friend. She and her husband have the hot sauce, Biz, out of Chattanooga. It is a good hot sauce. You can look it up. Hoff and Pepper. I think if you use the promo code one topic 15 you get 15% off. I have never seen any money from this. So really, we're just helping out our friend, which I'm fine with. I'm not doing this for the money. Though if I got a check one day for you know, even $30, I wouldn't complain. Anyway, thanks for listening. Take care. Go eat some meatballs now. <laughs> <laughs>